things, then it's harder. The anointing breaks every yoke, allows us to hear your word the way you want it to be heard, and gives us faith in our hearts to receive what it is that you have for us. So we bless you, we thank you, we worship you, and we praise you. And we honor you today, Lord. We love you. We can't extol you enough, God. We just can't have enough words to say to tell you our great gratitude for you. We honor you, we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. And we want to say hello again to those who are streaming live with us on the internet. Hello, especially Detroit. Amen. And we welcome you, and we're going to get right into the word of the Lord. Thank you. Thank Pastor Shirley for uh, receiving the offering and exhorting us on the things that God has for us right now. Amen. How many of you have received blessings according to Amos 9.13? You can see it. Isn't that wonderful? We can see it in our lives so we know it's a current now word and we hang on to it and hang on to it. Never let go of the word of the Lord. Amen. Never let it's always fresh and current for us when we put our faith in in confidence in God and so his word will work for us at all times. But I'm glad we're grabbing on to that truth and not looking for the next fad to jump on to, you know, just hold on to the word that God has given you and allow it to produce for you. And that's what God wants us to do. That's why he gives us his word. So we're thankful for that. Praise God. So today we're going to talk about times of refreshing, times of refreshing and, and what that really uh, points to and why it's important for us. There's a, a place in God where we can abide that is a comfort zone. It's a place where God speaks to us and ministers to us. and It's just a familiar place. It's a comfortable place. And it's a place where there's the fruit of the Spirit that we enjoy. And it's an abiding place in God. And there are times when we lose our footing in that place of God. And uh, we need times of refreshing. So I found in the Bible the one that's in Acts chapter 3, and we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about how Israel, the nation of Israel, uh, got, you know, the, the life sucked out of them, so to speak. You know, that word refreshing really means to, to uh, it means a recovery of breath. Recovering of breath. And so it gives me the the picture that comes to me in my mind is somebody who is maybe drowning and gasping for air or somebody who's maybe being smothered or in an atmosphere. Like, for instance, if, if you wake up and your house is filled with smoke and you... You know, you're trying to get air into your lungs and it's very, it's a struggle for you. And I think that really describes God's people where we're at now. Amen. And it describes our people from time to time. We get to that place where it's like no place you go is there a fresh wind of God. It's almost like, oh man, when am I, when is this going to be over with? And when am I going to get the air back into my lungs again where I can breathe freely in the presence of God and where the presence of God is refreshing to me spirit soul mind and body and and I think if if we and we feel that way from time to time we have these times of 
of uh, fellowship with God and in refreshing times where uh, everything that we we know and we understand about God is fresh and it's real and there's life there but then there's so much of our lives where we just go from day to day and place to place and wondering when things are going to change God is this all there is is there is there more coming I hope there's more coming because if it ain't this is pretty bad right here you know this sucks sucks the life out of me and so we we want to talk about that some and talk about how God is so aware of that you know it's not like he's not aware of it he is aware of it and so when there's a purpose to it you know of course everything God does is for a purpose but we'll talk about that so in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19 is uh, where we'll focus but It uh, it really is the the uh, preaching of Peter uh, after the early church has been started, and so there. Uh, uh, this is after uh, he and and uh, I think it was Peter and John went by the gate. Beautiful, the lame man that they healed, and he's telling them to quit looking at him like it's his power that did this. It's the name of Jesus. Yeah. And so Peter is in the presence of God. He's in the power of God. And he's speaking to these people who are on the outside of the power of God. And so people who are on the outside, and whether you're a believer and you've you've drifted away from God and now you're on the outside of the things of God, we need to understand that there is an entryway into this refreshing. There's a door to the refreshing that we can go through. And so he says here, In verse 16, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see now. Yes, faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I I wish that that through ignorance you did it, that, that as also did your rulers. But those things with God before had shadowed, showed by the mouth of all of his prophets that Christ should suffer, and he hath so fulfilled. And he says, repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ the Messiah, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the time of restitution of all things. So Peter gives an entryway into the times of refreshing God. And he says, repent, turn away from the life that you're living. Israel thought that they understood everything about God's law. They understood when the Messiah would come, what he would look like, what he would do when he got here. Everybody's waiting on their own interpretation of who God is supposed to be in their lives. Instead of just receiving God and allowing him to give you understanding of who he is and why he's in your life. See, we can't make up a God to serve. We have to serve the living God. And so when he comes into your life... He then begins to reveal himself to you, reveal his ways to you, reveal his laws to you, all those things to you. He's a holy God and he's coming for holy people. The nice thing about our God is he makes you holy. He gives you the equipment by which you're made holy. So then he provides everything to us. All we have to do is cooperate, agree, 
go along with it. But in going along with it, sometimes we drift away. And that's what Peter is telling them. He says, you know, you were waiting patiently for the Messiah. And he came and you missed him. And you missed him because you were absorbed in sin. What does he mean when he says your sins be blotted out? Well, sin is anything that you do that's self-oriented. And it separates you from God. Sometimes as Christians, we can get so busy in enjoying the blessings that God gave us. Your job, your work, your family, all the things that you think God you need in your life to bless you with. And it's very, very easy to commit the sin of selfishness. And this is what Israel did. I mean, whether it's 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 uh, uh, getting on Ashley, who is that, Ashley Madison? Where <laughs> people nervous now? All Ashley Madison customers are nervous, uh, because they're expecting themselves their name to be on a list somewhere on the internet where they can't get it off of there. And so it's, it's you know, those things, people drift away from the focus of God. And that's what sin is, really. It's a falling away. It's a drifting away. You see so many people now fall away from the original zeal that they carried for the things of God. And, and it's a, a tragic thing when that happens. You know, there's so many ministers that you see, prominent people. That started out, you know, with, uh, well, we started our church, our ministry with a handful of people in my living room or a handful of people in my basement. And now that God has blessed them, given them a name, given them prominence, given them notoriety, all of those things. You see them trying to be on reality shows. You see them trying to be talk show hosts. You see them doing everything but being faithful to this gospel that got them that notoriety, that got them that name, see, that got them. See, it's the waiting. The waiting is just as important as the receiving. See? It really is. The waiting is just as important as the receiving. We're all waiting on God to do the next great thing in the earth, and we want to be a part of it. Some of us don't even know why. You know, we just don't want to miss anything or we're told we're supposed to want to be a part of things. And that again shows an attitude of drifting away from God in your heart. You know, are you still focused on what he wants you to do? Are you still focused on uh, this, what he, uh, he wants you to do for him as far as ministry is concerned, as far as the Great Commission is concerned? Or are we just sitting around waiting for the, the last great thing we prayed for to happen to us? And we're not going to be happy until we get that from God. See? And so everybody's guilty of that. We all drift in our minds away from the central focus of the gospel. And we don't know how to get involved in that refreshing that we need for God to revive us and refresh us and bring us back to a relationship with him so that that zeal can return. And so, you know, we live a life of just uh, every day making it. You know, as far as our spiritual life is concerned, nothing big going on. We haven't quit coming to church. We haven't quit doing our little duty as far as God is concerned. But there's something missing there. There's a life force that's missing from what we do. It's easy to get angry at somebody over something petty and 
you know, snap at them, especially when you're challenged to dig a little deeper and go a little stronger in what you need to do for God. And so we find ourselves getting into this dryness that Peter talked about Israel was in. Now they had the law and they had the prophets, they had a corner really on the knowledge of God, but they missed the deeper spiritual meaning that was there when the Messiah came. So they missed their initial day of visitation, but, but it was upon them to go ahead and, and repent and get in the presence of God again. That's always open to everybody. See, there's no point in missing anything that God has for you because the way to his presence is always available to all of us. And it's turn away from what you're doing. You know, we see that in, in our prayer. And if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn away. Quit being satisfied with what you know is not a fulfilling life in God. Start getting hungry for something. You know, start being honest with yourself. Quit faking it, you know. And and start telling yourself, telling God, you know what, God, it's got to be more here. I'm, You know, I used to be able, if you can say that, I used to feel this way. I used to be excited. I used to want to get up and go, I used to, used to, used to. Then you need this refreshing. See, it comes to us. And God knows we need it. He just wants to see if we'll humble ourselves and do what's required to get it. And the only thing that's required is turn away from the nonsense and the shenanigans and the pretense and the trying to be full of faith and trying to be full of joy and, you know, with all of our fake fruit of the spirit, you know. You know, that uh, that stuff that they sell in the stores, they sell you a cute bowl and it's painted and it looks like real fruit and you go up and touch it as hard as a rock. That's us sometimes, you know, our fake joy, our fake patience, our fake all that. And so God will put you in places where that fakeness gets exposed, you know. You'll get a place where you, you need patience. You thought you were a patient person. All of a sudden, are you ready to cut somebody out because they did a small thing, you know. So it's like, okay, God, I hear you. I need that. I've had the breath sucked out of me. So I need a refreshing to come only from you. Amen. And so when Peter's speaking to the Israelites, their sin, of course, was crucifying the Lord of glory. And Jesus prayed that prayer on the cross. He said, Lord, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing, you see. And this is the essence of of this turning away from this dry life that we can get stuck in. You know, it's, it's we don't know what we're doing and so we need forgiveness and we need to turn away and we need to drop some of these goofy things that you find uh, people getting involved in. I remember uh, uh, when the prosperity message started to come through the church really strong. Yet people say things like, you know, well, uh, I thought God called me to be a minister, but I see I'm called to be a billionaire. You know, and and the dropping ministry and just going off selling stuff and, you know, really caught up in the the, uh, fleshly aspect of life too much. And I think that's what God wants us to drop and get away from is anything that feeds selfishness and feeds the flesh must be turned away from so that this refreshing can come into your life. Sometimes we're fearful about uh, not having enough material things and so we'll work extra hard. We'll pick up an extra job. We'll get involved in things, you know, like this is our our last chance <laughs> to be a millionaire. You know, all this kind of nonsense we get involved in. And so if, if God is blessed you with a bright idea 
and the world honors it and you become a multimillionaire, then praise God for that. But if that's not your calling, you have a great calling anyway. See, these things that we see in the world that we think are so attractive aren't the greatest thing that's ever going to happen in your life. They're just not. I was so blessed. I got a, 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 a messenger message uh, from Miss Donna, Donna Robinson, down in, where she lived near Toledo? What's that city? Bryan, Ohio. And she said that, the, and I, I'm not sure if I recall how it happened, but she shared a testimony. And it looks like this woman had posted this testimony on Facebook, and Miss Donna is one of her friends. And so this lady had had a surgery, and she had been uh, in pain for four days in a row. And she knew that they were having a prayer meeting at their church coming up, and, and she was reluctant to go. But she said she just felt like she had to just have, you know, have enough confidence in God to get up and go to the prayer meeting. She said, now, I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but I just knew I should be there, and she got there. And they asked Miss Donna to pray for a group of individuals there, and she prayed for this lady and prayed for that pain to leave her. And the lady got home and said, she said the pain left her instantly. She'd been paid for four days. And she said, I couldn't believe, amen, praise God. She said, I couldn't believe how quickly that pain left me. And Miss Donna read and she shared it with me and Pastor Shul. I just wanted to know I was so excited. You know, because we had had our, our glory conference where she'd been immersed in that for four days. And then I know I wasn't there, unfortunately, for Sunday service, but, but Pastor Shirley prayed for everybody who wanted boldness to step out and do what God wanted them to do. And so Miss Donna was able to put all that together, and when she got in a place where there was a need and there, there was her and what God had shown her to do, that came together and performed that miracle of healing for that woman. It's such a blessing. It's such a blessing. And so those are the refreshing times that the Lord is talking about. There is a refreshing for God's people. And it's not just to refresh us, but it's to to keep God's kingdom increasing. To keep the work of the kingdom alive in the earth. That's one of the main reasons for the refreshing. See, we perceive it as a dryness in us personally. See, again, the selfishness that comes sometimes to us. God, what is there in it for me? God, when am I going to feel better? God, when are you going to do something in my life? God, what, 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 what? And God causes us to perceive ourselves being out of sorts or not really uh, at peace with ourselves, not really fulfilled. So because he has to work through a vessel, we're the ones that first pick up that there's something amiss. See? And so as we cry out for what we need for ourselves, for our personal vessels, then God is able to not only refresh us, but then he gives us an overflow that must be shared with the rest of the world. See, you'll never get just what you need for you. What you need for you, God is looking at a big picture. He's looking at somebody who's in pain somewhere and he, he knows you're going to be at that next meeting and connect you with that individual. You see what I'm saying? He's looking at such a big picture. And, then, and if we can stay connected to God in that way where we appreciate the bigger picture, then I think we'll have more immediate understanding of how to get our refreshing in the Lord and how to come into a place where we can receive what we 
need from God because we know in a sense you know God loves you and he wants to help you but then you know you've got a function down here in the earth and you can't get that done unless you get something mighty powerful from God amen you can't get it the way you're walking now so anyway in this situation we see Peter speaking to the Israelites like I said they had a history with God but they needed to walk in the current light that God was providing so there is an understanding of relationship with God that we all have but then there's the current light that God is shedding he's always revealing himself in a greater way to the people of the earth and the primary way he does it is through his church and that's us so they have to catch up with where God is very often we can get diverted from the focus of God and then we can get detained on a road that's far away from God and not even know it now you're still saved you still know that God loves you you still can receive from God but you're in a, at a distance from him that gets to be less and less comfortable for you and it's not pleasing to him and so when that happens we feel that dryness we feel that that lack of fulfillment so this is true for the church as well we have a history with God if we're born again and filled with the spirit and we must continually turn away from sin and turn away from self-desire self-desire is the big detour that many people will take reality shows and preacher reality shows are symptoms of this lack of fulfillment in God symptoms of this dryness in God sometimes people don't believe there's something wrong with them there's something wrong with their walk they think their walk is fine they'll look at certain things well look my church is still I, I got the biggest church in the country or I've got so many members and people are continuing to come but what does that say about you personally you know God has blessed you with that sometimes we look at blessings that God gave us 10 and 15 years ago to validate where we are now in our walk with God and see if, if your faith is not increasing if the the vision of God is not increasing in your life if you don't have a vision for more souls if you don't have a vision for more uh, um, ability to help the ministry and things like that if you don't see yourself increasing then you don't have a proper vision of where you are in God you need to have your vision corrected in him he's never causing us to do less and slowing down he's always causing us to do more and to increase his kingdom always increases I was looking at um, the Copelands uh, uh, and I'm so thankful they have a 24 hour uh, television but look at their ages you know and they've got to kind of get it together and get excited about it it's like come on God no, yeah, this is for my kids this is for the grandkids don't get me involved here but they're just as eager and excited to get this new thing going on in God and sometimes you think well God come on now look at my age and I'm tired and I want to slow down and why didn't you do this 15 and 20 years ago you see that's always our lament when you, you young people don't know anything about this but wait till you hit 40 and 50 it's God why are you throwing this in my lap right now like he told uh, Lester Summerall he said you did, Lester said I'm 80 years old he said yeah you're just old enough where I know I can trust you now you got me <laughs> so it's, it's just whenever it is that time and age mean nothing to God folks we see that over and over in the word 
Abraham and Sarah at their age now are finally parents. You see what I'm saying? And so a time and age mean nothing to God. He has a kingdom that he wants to see increase in the earth. If it takes the church that many years to get it together to understand what's important and put away the childish things that we get involved with and get diverted from the will of God. We go over here and play with this for a season. We go play with that for a season. And we come back and we have to fall on our face and say, God, look at the time that I've been away from you and I didn't accomplish much in that time. Help me to increase and help me to redeem the time that I have now so that I can make it more productive for you. And that's, you know, we don't like hearing that about ourselves and having to pray those kind of prayers, but that's always the way it is. We always have. Nobody walks perfectly with God throughout their life. Somebody may backslide and, and do something that sounds totally horrendous and the rest of us sit and watch it happen, but everybody's been in neutral, not accomplishing much. See what I'm saying? And so we need to learn how when God's knocking on the door of your heart, he says, hey, come on, get up now. It's time. We need to understand how to t- step into that refreshing. You can't step into it with all the junk that we have hanging on us. All our little souvenirs from our our diversion. You understand what I'm saying? You can't take the reality show mentality into the move of God. Hmm? You can't do it. I'm so thankful that God answers prayer. and, And does things in a way where we can understand what his will is. And he can get people over into his will so they're not diverted and they're not... Uh, pulled away unnecessarily uh, I was looking at the women that were uh, you know when that show Preach was canceled they only had two episodes and uh, I was looking at the women that were involved and every single one of them said they prayed about it and felt God told them to do it you see how and these these aren't you know like people rookies these are people who know God they've had established ministries and all of that but but you see how easy it is to miss what God has for you and I'm thankful he didn't let them go down the road see once you start tasting things that weren't made for you and tasting into things that are are not for you it begins it's harder to let go of those things once you start tasting of it than if God just said nope that's not for you get off of it and stop it before it even gets started real good you know, after you get involved in it, you got contracts, you got sponsors, you got people you don't want to disappoint, you got all these things that you now feel responsible for that are so far away from the preaching of the gospel. You see what I'm saying? And so this is why God stations watchmen in, in the earth to watch over his work, you know, it's it's not like I don't have I don't have a dog in this fight. You understand what I'm saying? It's for me personally, it, there's nothing there, but except that we know one of them personally, and, and we love them and, and want the best for them. You know, when you have a connection like that, it's easier for God to get you involved in prayer. But we pray for so many people we don't even know them. You understand what I'm saying? So it's it's not personal as far as I'm concerned, but it has to do with God's will. His will for the kingdom. And are these gifts better suited to be in another place than over here where they are? And so this is what you you have to get from God. And this is why you you do these things. And so now is the time of refreshing for all of them. See, if they don't see this, 
as a mercy of God and that they can step into the refreshing of the Lord. Because it's the dryness that causes you to want to be a reality show person instead of a preacher of the gospel. You understand? It's dryness that does that. People start to crave something. You know, every day you wake up and you have this sense of greatness on the inside of you. And you want it, you're anxious for it to manifest. You know, each and every one of you ought to sense that. You know, this isn't for preachers only. This is for everybody who's born of the Spirit of God. You've got something great on the inside of you. And you want to see something great happen on the outside of you to prove that what's inside of you is real. You understand what I'm saying? And so you can wait for God to put you in a place where he equips you, he positions you, he does everything that he wants to do to make sure this greatness is of him. Or you can try to make your own open doors for your great little self to manifest. You know, and so it's very, very common for people to get diverted. Their attention gets diverted. They think, well, this sounds like, well, you know, I've been believing God for so and so, and this sounds like it. Huh? Instead of what we used to do. Remember back in the old days, you didn't want to do nothing. Oh, God, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. Oh, uh-uh. Let me pray about this. Let me think about it. I can't just jump on every horse and ride, you know. And so, in, in so we, we sometimes get an easy way of getting God confirmed to us instead of sticking with, you know, the guy that brought you to the dance you see you, you've got to stay with what God's already told you you can't get careless in doing these things and so you know sometimes I think about it I say well God maybe I shouldn't be so careful about where I go to minister and where I go to do this and then I think to myself well why not you know, why not why not want to make sure that God has ordained for me to be in that place wherever I go? You see what I'm saying? And so it's it's just that way. But but we're we're headed toward a refreshing, folks. That's the good news. There's one God ordained for us. It's not your own personal thing that you do that you think refreshes you, but it's one that's ordained for the body of Christ worldwide. And so we're all going to jump in the the big uh, uh, the big hot tub. Holy Ghost and fire. Amen. And receive that refreshing from God. Amen. (laughs) So we need to be, uh, the the sin of the body of Christ is preoccupation with temporal pleasures and the desire for self-gratification. We want something for us. See, God allows us to have our needs met. But these should be God-ordained needs. You know, not things that we create ourselves or things that we erroneously believe are going to make us happy if we get them. Should be God-ordained needs. Sometimes there's a preoccupation with this. Temporal pleasures. And the desire for self-gratifications. The Pharisees and Israel were comfortable with their current relationship with God. Out of pride. We have the law, we have the prophets, we have the temple, we have the ministry, we have all of this locked up. How many people do we know in the earth that have that mentality? See? I'm, I'm on television, I've got so many viewers, my mailing list is this big, I've got so many millions in the bank and I preach to millions of people and people everywhere want me. But is that really the way God wants us to look at what we do in him? 
that attitude of I've got it made because of look at where I am or look at what I've done. Look at how many people are under my authority. That's why I've got it made. See, we never have it made. See, we never, and, and you can't make the mistake of taking on to yourself what God should get the glory out of, you see. So God made you what you are. God put you where you are. God is the one that uh, helps you to do, if you, you're feeding people and they enjoy your teaching and all that, it's God behind that who's doing that for you. And so you can never rest on your laurels and assume that everything in your life is the way it's supposed to be because God always has more. And so he has to in your help you in your heart to make room for more of him. He'll put you in a position where you feel dry, you feel restless, you feel like there's got to be something more for you than just what you've seen. And so when, when those things start to emerge out of us, there's this great cry that should go from us up to heaven to God. And God, you know, what is this that's driving me to feel like, you know, I'm, I'm restless and I'm not satisfied? I've got everything. You look at everything you've given me and still I'm not satisfied. And it's God telling you that you don't get satisfied in your flesh with anything. Don't ever feel satisfied within you that you've got it made, that you're comfortable. You know, uh, Nebuchadnezzar made that mistake. Look at everything that I've accomplished. I'm ruler of the world, so forth and so on. And he got lifted up in pride. David did the same thing. Where he usually would go out and lead the men in war, he decided to let them go out by themselves. And he hung back, you know, and to his own hurt. And so when, when we see those things happening, we know that we're, it's time for us to fall on our face before God. When you feel satisfied, you know, with all of that, and you feel like there's no hunger in you anymore. God has to stir you up to reveal that real hunger, that you're really a dry person, that you really are, are, are poor and don't know it, you're naked and don't know it. And so God has to somehow reveal that to you. And he'll do it, and that's his mercy, because he wants us to stay in right relationship with him. But he also wants us to be fully equipped for every good work that he wants us to do in the earth. So Israel's sin was that they served the gods of their neighbors. Amen. This is what we do in the world. You know, this is what you, many preachers now are serving the, the false gods of this world. They're serving the, the New Age religion in, in great numbers and don't really realize they've drifted over. And you see whole programs where people are selling nutritional supplements and things of that nature instead of preaching the gospel. You know, if you could see the gospel preach for every show that you see on the Christian networks, if you could see souls being saved, people being healed and delivered in the place of that stuff, we'd have a mighty move of God. But see, they've gotten to the point now where God has blessed them with finances. He's blessed them with exposure. He's blessed them with the ability to, to, without God's help and without prayer, they could pay that bill and get on TV and put anything they want on there. And that's exactly what they're doing. They have lost confidence in the message that God gave them to put on there. Everybody wants to do the next new thing. So the next new thing seems to be something tied into uh, making people healthier and causing them to want to uh, have their bodies uh, more perfect and all this kind of stuff. Things that perish. And if you look at the world, the world's doing the same thing. 
you know, their reality shows uh, have to do with, uh, you know, going to the gym or getting the next facelift or, you know, having some kind of reconstruct. Well, it's the same thing at the church. If you look on Christian television, there's not much difference. See, and there's no hunger there for the refreshing of the Lord that he wants to pour out to us. Many people have stumbled over that stumbling block of heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. If if you're hungry for something, get hungry for that. Because that's what God's ordained us to do. But see, they don't want to confront that because for some reason they want to pretend like they either do it already, it's not important, or their ministry is fine the way it is. Now just because you've got 8,000 people in your church, it doesn't mean you do everything right. It has nothing to do with being obedient to God. Look at how many people the Catholics have. That's the biggest church in the world. And they, they do very little as far as even preaching the gospel. They're not even known to be evangelical. And so just because your numbers seem to validate you, it doesn't mean that God is validating you. Look at all the people that, that, that Christians pass by every Sunday. You'll drive by somebody, we do it. You drive by people that, that uh, there was a woman standing out here at the, the end of the gate today. You know, just struggling with a couple of bags in her arms. There are homeless, helpless people everywhere. And many times we don't have what we need in God to just say, God, let me at least pray about this person. Let me at least find out what this person needs. Let me at least inquire of you how I can make a difference with people. But we just sail right by them. And see, the person with the megachurch does the same thing. They have people coming in those doors on wheelchairs and crutches and going to to, uh, the hospital on a regular basis, getting treatment. They never get followed up to find out what they need or what they're doing. Seldom get prayer. You ask them how they're they're treated in these places. But they're glad to be there because the the preacher has a big name and he's got this and he's got that. And so we're, we're, we're guilty on on both sides of the the pulpit you know the pew is guilty and the pulpit is guilty because we're all doing a, a bunch of nothing almost to advance God's kingdom we're just barely getting by we're all a little complacent and we all think that we're doing okay in God because you know you can always make up your excuses for why you think God is with you and so when we start to serve the other gods, the foreign gods that the, the sinners around us serve, we need a refreshing from God. And God sees this. And he's not mad. He's not ready to cast us out. He has mercy and compassion on us because we have lost our way. And so when we lose our way, God has a way of finding us. And he finds us through this hunger and this thirst and this thing that goes on on the inside of us, this disruption in our comfort zone. You know, you can have all the nice things, you know, so now you know how to pray and get your needs met from God. So what's the next big thing in your life? You know, now you know how to, amen, you know how to go and, and get yourself some semi-designer clothes or something like that and you can still pay your house note. That's an accomplishment. So what's the next big, big thing in your life? Amen. So, so God has, amen. You know how we roll. So, and he knows what he sees us doing it all the time. Huh? 
And he's not mad at us. He's not going to cut your paycheck off because you like them designer people and all this stuff. It's just that your mind it got bored now. Because at one time you wouldn't even have thought of spending your money on some of the things you spend on it now. Because you were so busy understanding God. God was your quest. Knowing him was your, your meat. Doing what he wanted you to do was what satisfied you to the ultimate. And so everybody drifts off a little bit. It's like when the disciples heard that Jesus was raised from the dead. They didn't want to believe it. And so the, the famous line is Peter went fishing. Amen. Went back to his former occupation. And so when we don't see God moving quick enough and we don't see the next great thing in us in our part in it, we go fishing. Huh? We go fishing and buy some something new to wear. We go fishing and get and make another bill. We go fishing and do something else. You know, amen. That's, that's, how, that's how it is. I confess to it too. Because you don't know how to, to make it through these times. That's why the waiting is just as important as the receiving. The Bible says it, it gives great promises for people who know how to wait on the Lord. Huh? No, God, I'm not going to get involved in that. I'm going to wait on you. See, that takes a lot of, of personal commitment. That takes a lot of self-discipline. God, I'm not going to get involved in this. I'm going to wait on you. Because I know this is not what you promised my life would be about. This diversion and it's going down the bunny trail and this, you know, getting involved in this thing and that thing and all of that. This is not what you promised me. See, one of the things that I know that God wants to do with all believers is to get us to the point where we expect to be used by him to work miracles in the lives of people. Everybody on the earth that needs a miracle, the the early church did it. They fully expected God to use them in the working of miracles, in healing the sick, in praying for their needs to be met. Everything he they believed in the supernatural power of God, and they weren't running around trying to get involved in everything that came down the pike. They they didn't care about that kind of stuff. They were totally focused on God, and so the refreshing of God really comes in to renew. Your your focus onto him. He sees us down here just biding our time trying to figure out what we're doing and, you know, get involved in a little this and get involved in a little that while we're doing it. And he knows what he has in store for us and he is encouraging and including everybody in this plan. There's not one person that's being left out. So those of you who are comfortable just being on the back seat all the time and letting other people do everything, you're going to get uncomfortable. So it's going to come knocking on your door one day. And you're going to need to know how to move in the power of God. And you'll start to cry out for God for more. Just out of necessity. And it's not threatening anybody, but that's how this works. See, this is how God gets us involved in what he wants to do in the earth. So when Israel turned away from God... They took the provision of God and offered it to idols. And that's what the church is doing now. Many of them are taking the provision of God and and offering. I'll give you a good example. T.D. Jakes with some kind of show he's interviewing people. Them things cost money. Do you realize the money that costs? Now I realize that's his money. But listen, when you're connected to God and you're a part of a bigger picture, all your money really ain't yours to do what you want to do with it or what you think you want to do with it. 
Now why isn't he preaching the gospel, raising up other ministers, helping other churches to be birthed, doing that kind of stuff? God made him who he is. See? He started out with a small church in West Virginia. You understand? what in the, in the hills somewhere. And God blessed him to be who he is right now. Why go and sit on TV? Why do you want to be on TV all the time? You're on TV already. You understand what I'm saying? Come on now. I mean, enough is enough. And so it's easy for people who have understanding of being able to do great things. They always want to top themselves with the next great thing. And so God in his mercy will probably not let this work for him. You understand what I'm saying? Come back to your first love. Come back to the one that brought you to the dance. Come back to your your roots in God so that you can go on and do what God. Just because you don't have a clear picture of your next step, it doesn't mean there isn't one. It just means you don't have a picture of it yet. See, that's why the waiting is so important. It's just as important as the receiving. Because in the waiting, you can get diverted and get over into something you were never called to do. Jim Baker selling doomsday provisions on television. And what that man went through to get to where get re, get himself restored and was in prison and all that stuff but see he's another one that don't know how to wait on God you know doesn't know how to to wait in patiently wait in the spirit wait in prayer wait in in restoring the vision wait in going back through some of your old prophecies and getting to understand how you got where you are see there's a waiting in God and there's a waiting nervously looking for the next thing and in creating something out of your own lust of your heart to to try and substitute for that and so this is this is something that we get involved in folks and some people take it very far and some people only take it so far thank God Kelly only got to do two episodes, you know, and got turned around. So God's putting her in a place where he really wants her to be. But, you know, it's very easy to think all those roads are leading to where you you think your next step is. And you find out it's not God at all. And so it's okay to enjoy our life. God is not against us enjoying our lives. But, you know, at what cost? You know, what are you going to pay for this enjoyment? Amen. So we don't want to, uh, sometimes we don't want to ask God for the things that we want. You know, when you get an idea in your head and you, you think you know the next thing God wants you to do, you don't really inquire of the Lord the way you should. You know, the last thing you do want is for God to rain on your parade. And sometimes inside of us, we know it's not quite what God wants us to do. But we want to step into it anyway to see if it's going to work. You know what I'm saying. It's, you know, and, and God won't allow us to do that. James says that we ask and we don't receive because we ask in order that we would consume it on our lusts. And so God doesn't want us in this consumption life in the kingdom. He wants us in the full life that he's ordained for us. He doesn't want you, your lust consuming the resources that he's provided for you. He doesn't want that. He wants us to have a comfortable life. He wants us to have a joy-filled life. But it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit and not in the flesh. And so we got to know the difference. There's so much flesh being preached now. 
it's hard to know the difference if you're not real discerning. You know, it's hard to know. You know, is this really something God's ordained for me? Or is this something that makes this preacher happy? And they're trying to help me to understand their happiness in it. You understand what I'm saying? There's a difference. Sometimes people get stuck in one theme all the time in their preaching. And you know it's kind of a stumbling block for them. It's, it's not quite what God wants them to have, but they can't let it go. And that's what happened with prosperity teaching a lot of it. People got, it got stuck somewhere in them where they couldn't really justify their preoccupation with it. And so they kept preaching it and kept preaching it and kept preaching it to try and make it sound right to everybody else. So it could settle right inside of them. And some of them are still doing it. Some of the preachers that preach real hard on sin and fornication. Remember Jimmy Swaggart. And then when he got exposed, we realized, oh, that's why he got stuck on that. Because God had him stuck on it trying to get him to repent. See what I'm saying? And so we have to understand these stumbling blocks that come in when we need that refreshing from the Lord. We need it so badly. And then well, our flesh will start to cry out for things that we're not supposed to have. So we're not to take the provision of God and give it back to the world. We're not to do that. Many times the last thing we want to do is ask God for something. Remember those days when you really didn't have money and could afford anything and the conference was coming up and you needed a little new piece to wear because everybody else had a new piece and God wants everybody to have a new piece if that's what you want. And we used to pray for those things. Remember? And God would provide supernaturally, remember? But some little devil in the back of your mind told you, I'll be glad when I get my own money. I'm going to buy my own stuff. See? Lust is sitting there all the time trying to rob you. And just think, if you could get a whole closet full of clothes supernaturally, think of the faith you would have to help other areas of your life and people and all that kind of stuff. See, he has us on the right road to begin with. And we don't like that road because we think everybody else is paying cash for their stuff. Well, they begging God just like you. Are you kidding me? person sitting next to you is begging God for their stuff just like you begging them for yours. Huh? There ain't nobody on easy street. We all in, we live about on the same street in the kingdom. You understand what I'm saying? Just some of us got more notes than the other ones do. But but you know that's 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 supernatural living, and it's amazing how many people will give those testimonies as though they despise those times. And God loves those times. Sometimes He looks at us and says, "Boy, remember when all you could do was ask me for stuff, and your prayer was raggedy." And it had a little bit of faith on it, and I gave it to you anyway. That's because I loved you, and I want to encourage you. Remember them times, huh? And so he wants us. Those are refreshing times, folks. And he wants to bring us to those refreshing times. See, the presence of the Lord refreshed you when you were desperate for it. See? When you were gasping, and you took in that breath of God, and he got you over that hump. That was your refreshing then. And so he wants to prepare us and, and put us back in those places of refreshing that, that he wants us to have. God only really ever asked man for 10% of what he gave him. Just give that back to me and dedicate that back to me. 
And sometimes that's a, a you know, a, a thorn for us. It, it's a, an abomination sometimes in some people's minds that God would even ask anything of them. And when he's given us so much. And so part of the refreshing of the Lord will, will be, um, it, you will, it will be an indication. Your, your, what you do with your finances and your time will be an indication of whether or not you're receiving the refreshing of the Lord. Because he starts to get some of that back that he used to have with you that gave that relationship that brought you life. See, we don't have the life and the relationship because we're not working the relationship right the way we used to. There was a time when we wanted to give big sums of money to God. And we wanted to do big things for God. And we kind of let that fall to the wayside because we now we have diverted something else's. In our heads, you know, where we, we think we want to be. And God wants us to get us back to those days where nothing was, was a pain for us to release to him. It didn't hurt us to give. We were glad to give. We gave because we loved him. We gave because we believed. We gave because we believed in what God was doing in the earth. We gave for those reasons. And he wants us, he just wants us to get more personally involved with him. You know, not this distant relationship where you just put your money in the offering and, and you do what you think is necessary. And boy, I'm glad Pastor Barb only asked for a $500 pledge instead of a 1000 Remember, she used to do the 1000 I'm glad it's just 500 You know what I'm saying? Oh, she did a three. I'll take that. I'm glad it's just a three. You know what I'm saying? Where, where there were times where it's, boy, if I could just get the faith together, I want to raise my hand for the thousand. I want to do that, you see. And so he's getting us back to that place. Little bit by little bit, we're coming back because he's given us little trickles of his refreshing. Little drops of water to get us excited about it, to see if we'll crave more. You know, just little bits. And so when he starts to pour out, the refreshing will be acclimated to and we won't run away from it. So you get these little bits and, and then pretty soon it's rivers to swim in and waters to swim in. So go to uh, Judges chapter 6. I wanted to show you something in the life of Gideon. Because he was one of those persons that was very, very instrumental in the refreshing that God brought to Israel. It's in the book of Judges. Oh, it's farther back than this. Praise God. What did I say? Judges chapter 6? Yeah. That's good. If anybody needed a refreshing, it was Israel during the time of the judges. The Bible says everybody did what was right in their own eyes. It was kind of like a free-for-all. And you see God desperately trying to pull his people back together again so that he could bless them and help them. So in in Judges chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. So the, the, the pressure of the enemy was so great that they were really hiding from them. They didn't even have enough righteous anger in them to want to fight back to preserve their own lives. They were just ready to give up and die. Let's hide in a cave until we see if maybe God might do something or maybe some kind of help is going to come. But they had no desire 
to come out. No desire for a different life. If you're wanting something more, that's a good indication of God's with you. You understand that hunger for something more? Even if you're dissatisfied to the max with what you have right now, at least you want something better. Well, Israel's in a state of mind where they don't even care if they get me. You know, just just go hide. We don't even want to try to fight. And this is a nation that has seen God do mighty miracles. Every battle God engaged them in, they barely had to fight the enemy. All they had to do was, was whack a few heads off and go in and collect everything and bring it on out. God made it easy for them because he fought for them and so they were hiding in the caves and the strongholds and so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east they came up against them <laughs> so they let them go out there and plant some crops in the field when it was time for the harvest they all showed up and stood around them you imagine all your neighbors gang up on you and you plant your little garden in the backyard and they won't let you get to it so you could eat it. It's dirty. And so God had the enemy torment them like that. They would get this close to what we call a breakthrough. This close to being able to feed themselves. And the devil trump right up there and scared them out of getting it. See, It happens to us all the time. You've been there? Huh? Your breakthrough is imminent and then all of a sudden you get all these wild out. Well, maybe this ain't God. Maybe this ain't for me. And maybe da 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 Yep, same thing. And so they would come up against them and camp against them and destroy their plants, their crops. Didn't even get them for themselves. Just tramp down on them, burn them up, whatever they did. And so they destroyed the increase of the earth until you come to Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel. No sheep, no ivy. They just killed up everything they had. For they came up with their cattle in their tents and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. Hmm? Any enemy that comes against you that looks like grasshoppers, you know what to do. You fall on your face. You say, God, I don't know how I got here or what's going on here, but I need you bad. Huh? But see, when people are disobedient to God, God's the last person they call on. They keep trying to work something else out, thinking something else is going to work for them. <laughs> so they came up with their cattle and their tents and as grasshoppers for multitude. Though they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel. So it works. When you cry out, God sends you help. Whether or not you'll receive the help is up to you. Whether or not you'll let the help work for you is up to you. And so when people are prideful and hard-hearted, often they skip over the help that God sends. This couldn't be God. I was asking him for a Rolls Royce, and he sent me this measly Cadillac. You understand what I'm saying? This high-minded, high-minded. And he says, And the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel, which said to them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt. This is how God always introduces. He gives you a point of contact for your history with him. Huh? He'll put you in, the, in remembrance of something that God did for you a long time ago. 
Sometimes you, and you don't even sometimes have to, but sometimes if a prophet gives you a word, they'll have a word of knowledge in there that rings true in your heart somewhere. It puts you in remembrance of something so you have a connection with God. And he says, I brought you out, up out of Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians. So really, when you need deliverance, God is going to send you a word of deliverance. He'll put you in there. Remember when you was in that bad of shape? Like if you if you get sick, you know, and I know we don't get sick. We're all healed, but you know what I'm talking about. Just read between the lines with me. Yeah, and, and so God will put you in remembrance. Now listen, I did that before. I can do it again, and I will do it again. You know, you're not in a, a different, unique situation where I can't do the same thing for you again. And he said, I brought you out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drove them out from before you and gave you their land. In other words, God will make you be feel ashamed and embarrassed for putting up with crap from the devil. Huh? And he'll use your own testimony to do it. And, you know, many times, you ever wonder why sometimes your mind will drift back to things that God has done for you in the past? Because he needs to repeat it now. See, he's causing you to encourage yourself in the Lord so that when he starts to step up, your faith will be there for this thing to happen all over again. So you're needing it again sometime in your life. He said, and I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Don't fear their gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, for you have not obeyed my voice. So the only thing you got to do is find out where you turned off on the wrong road and get back on the right road. That's what sin is, is getting off on the wrong road. You know, people, Christians kill me, you know. When you're a new Christian, you admit that you sin, but then when you get older in the Lord, oh, you didn't do anything wrong. You know, or you go into self-defense mode all the time. When you know that every day that you live, if you don't do something wrong or think something wrong, it's a major miracle. I know it is for me. My goodness. You know, all you got to do is, you know, for the most part, I leave my television off all day. You know, I need something from God, so I know how to stop the shenanigans, you know. And, and, and in that, even when I do put it on, I look, I say, no wonder I didn't have it on all day. It's Caitlin, I'm Kate, or whoever she is, she's going to be somebody else tomorrow. Some of them, them people she done hooked up with going to take everything she got. No, sometimes you don't know how to roll with people. You think you want to be that. You get involved with some of these cutthroat because they look rough. Well, them telling you the truth. They still men up under all that. They take Kate out and whip her up one side and down the other and take everything she got. Are you kidding me? And this your new crew? Really? You better check yourself because you're going to wreck yourself in a minute, girl. I'd rather live with Chloe, Kim, and they shenanigans. Kate made it all in the years in that house. He can make it a few more. He made a wrong move now, trust me. 
they go start getting mail in his mailbox. You know them letters they cut them out of the newspaper. Put so and so in this garbage bag down the road, or you won't see such and such again. Scared of him. Anywho, where was I? With Gideon. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> so Gideon's there, and, and God has spoken to this this. Uh, to them through the prophet the prophet tells them you haven't obeyed my voice and there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which is in Ophrah which pertained to Joash the Abizarite the son of Gideon and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites so he found a little bit of wheat and he's hiding it just so he can have enough wheat to live off of and so he's down there in secret, but how many of you know God knows where you are all the time? So this angel shows up in his little secret wine present. He's like, huh? How'd you know I was here? God knows everything. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. See, I'm telling you, this is what we all see in us all the time. Sometimes the enemy obscures it. Sometimes you know that you're called to do great things for God. When I say great things, I don't mean a mega church full of people. I mean something that's going to be great and perceived as great in the eyes of the person who's there to receive that gift from God. You understand? You're here to move mountains with your faith. You're here to move illness with your faith. You're here to get people out of uh, out of the, the gates of hell and over into the gates of heaven. You know, that's what I mean when I say great. Because you'll perceive God on the inside of you wanting to get out and do great things. So this angel only begins to reflect off of what Gideon already has in him because of his circumstances. It's been suppressed for so long, Gideon's ready to fight with somebody for telling them that he can do great things. Just like when you're not feeling good and somebody tells you, well, you're healed. What you mean? I know I'm healed. You know, you want to crawl up in the Bible yourself and how you saw you said something to him. See, everybody can say they're healed when they feel good. (laughs) But they get mad at you when you tell them. Did you notice my pain? Uh, Now that you mention it, yeah. (laughs) I'm staying away. My holy water up. Called him a mighty man of valor. He's calling out of him what's in him, what the circumstances have caused to, to be dormant. And he said, Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if God's with us, <laughs> here we go, pointing the finger at God. Huh? That's another sign you need a refreshing. Hmm? God's not doing what he said he was going to do fast enough for you. I done prayed and 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 prayed. And guess what? You're going to pray some more. Huh? When you get over yourself, you're going to figure out, oh, I just lost myself for a minute. I need to get down on my knees and pray some more. I ain't prayed enough. That's the problem. He said, he says, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why is all this happening? And where are the miracles which our father told us about? In other words, Gideon said, I ain't never seen no miracle. There's a lot of us who haven't seen a lot of things God has yet to do in the earth. But that doesn't mean we won't be a part of it if we put our faith into it. 
Sometimes what's new is the best thing that you need to get involved in. Something you haven't been involved in before. All the crazy old tradition and nonsense things that you're used to doing. Sometimes God can put new life on something you've been doing all along. Don't quit doing what you're doing that you're bored with. Huh? That's just the devil telling you to be bored. God, God turns, uh, you know, passing out bread into miracle services and healing services. Are you kidding me? You get in a place where there's a need, especially a physical need. No, the only problem, problem with the church is that we quit doing the miracles and we just start feeding people and letting that be enough. And you know those people need the Lord. See, don't ever start offering, stop offering. That's all you got to do. See, you need prayer for anything? You know, they know you're Christians. They don't see one sinner ever come by and care about anything they need to eat. Unless they're going to try to stick them up with something. You know, you want this bread? (laughs) You know, bread is a bait. (laughs) So they know you belong to God or you wouldn't be there giving out stuff. It's so easy. Well, I ain't never prayed for that when you won't. Huh? There's your open door right there. The bread is the open door. So Gideon says, where are all the miracles that our fathers told us about? I ain't never seen a miracle in my life. He said, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? By, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midians. Well, the prophets told him, you haven't been obeying God. If you want to see miracles, good. Because I'm going to use you to do one, Gideon. Huh? See, you ask the question, you get to be part of the solution. Huh? Amen. That's what God does. Oh, but see, I'm not no preacher. Yes, you are. I'll make you one. Them people you admire ain't preachers either. They just talking. That was free. Okay, I didn't charge y'all for that. Nobody say I charge you for that. Huh? Great swelling words of man's wisdom. See, anybody whose words God doesn't confirm their words with signs following, they're just talking. Then he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And says, and they did that, and the Lord worked with them, confirming their words with signs following. You don't have no signs following, you're just talking. It's the truth. It might be a good talk. But God said he wants to confirm your words with that. You're supposed to tell sick people. If you got people coming in there in wheelchairs, they're supposed to be walking out home. Or at least be give them some faith nugget so that to take them to the next time to expect more from God. Never let somebody come into your building and go out the same way continually and that never get addressed. Amen. I'm not talking about making a spectacle out of them every time they show up. Making them stand up and you know there's no unction to do that. But you pray for people. Paul said, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech, preaching man's wisdom. But I came to you in a demonstration of 
the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? He said, I want your faith to stand in the power of God, not in my words. Because the next time you need a fix of my words, I might not be available for you. What you going to do then? Huh? People make idols out of people. You know, they get up and start they talking and everybody in the church jumping up and waving hankies and sweating and all that kind of crazy stuff. Well, your faith is standing in the wisdom of men. It's not standing in the power of God. So it says in verse 14, he's talking about God forsaking us. Verse 14, the Lord looked upon him and said, go and is your might and you shall save Israel. You going to do it, Gideon, with your big mouth. Thought you were hiding from somebody, hiding that little piece of kernels of wheat you had down there. You thought that was all there was to life. Uh Many of us think all there is to life is just waiting on the next paycheck for something else we can buy to make ourselves look (laughs) semi-cute. Huh? You know, we ain't never satisfied with how we look. You get in the mirror and say, mm, I spent all this money on this and I ain't looking no better than this. Huh? <laughs> no, you look like you. Huh? You're never going to be satisfied. Because huh? that's not where your satisfaction in life is going to come from. It's going to come from within. Huh? So make up your mind you're only going to spend so much on the tent. Huh? <laughs> That's it. And just keep it, keep it moving. Huh? <laughs> God wants people who are unlimited in their commitment to Him. And Gideon, he knew for some reason, he knew if he could talk Gideon out of all of his excuses. See, Gideon had all those excuses. He says, oh my Lord, verse 15, how am I going to save Israel? Do you realize I'm from the smallest tribe in Israel and I'm the least person in my father's house? I'm shorter than everybody else. I'm not as good looking as everybody else. My daddy don't think nothing of me. He never gives me anything important to do. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. That's all you need to know is the presence of God go with you. And that's why God has ordained times of refreshing from his presence. That his presence, somehow the presence of God reassures you of everything that God says about you is true. Everything that God says you can do, you can do. Everything that God says you are going to be in the earth, you are going to be there. His presence is the confirmation and the reassurance that his word over your life is true. That he's going to bring these things to pass. You can wait patiently on the Lord. You can let yourself be strengthened as you wait. You know, many times people run here, there, and everywhere. They're out of steam every place that they get. They don't have a fresh word. They did, But they showed up and they could say, well, I preached uh, 15 different countries. And I preached in all these different things. And I've done all these great things. Well, that's wonderful. But if you're not doing what God wanted you to do in all those places and you just worn out and left them just as dry as you are getting there. 
when you went there, what did you provide to the people? Did you provide a refreshing from God? Did you provide hope and encouragement from them? This is what you want to do. You want to have an impact on people that changes their lives because you know God wants to do that. He doesn't want to just come in with the same old dry word that you heard brother so-and-so preach. And now you're running with his message because you're in his clique. That he's, you understand what I'm saying? People don't want that. That's why they don't come a lot of times. You know, that's why sometimes you can, on the outside of a building where they're having a big meeting on the inside, you can do more work for God outside of there than you can inside sometimes. Simply because you have the freedom to refresh people and give them something new and something that they'll treasure. Something that's life changing. The power of God is life changing. When those cloven tongues of fire set on those people in the, uh, the 120 in the upper room, those people were dramatically and instantly changed. It didn't take uh, for six months in new beginners class. And go to Sunday school at 9 and come to the service at 11 and come back at 6 and all this kind of... No, they came in, they were hungry, they knew what they wanted and God had an appointment with them to meet that need and that hunger. That's all it takes. It's God doing what he wants to do and meeting that need and that hunger and allowing those people to go out empowered by God and nobody catch them on the way out of the door and say, uh, that ain't all you need. Now you be careful running off like that with just that, that you got that. Uh Huh? I mean, you know, you just can't go with that. But they can't tell you what else you need either to go with that. So just step over them and go with that. Because if that ain't enough, it came from God. If you know it came from God, if that ain't enough, you ain't getting nothing else, okay? That's all you need, really. Uh Huh? All you need is empowering from God. Those people went out and prayed in a language they didn't understand until God showed up and started doing miracles. That's all you have. Your refreshing comes from the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 28 it says, This is the refreshing with stammering lips and another tongue. So God gives you a portable refreshing to take with you. To keep you refreshed as you go. So when he outpours his spirit, and that's what he does with his glory, he pours out his spirit so that we can be refreshed and we can be restored. When he, when that, that, uh, the angel spoke to Gideon, he told him, he prophesied to him what was inside of him. And when Gideon heard that, even though he fought it for a minute and he continued to fight it, every time he got out and obeyed God, God was with him. Excuse me, and he did mighty things and delivered Israel. And it didn't take him six months in New Beginners class. These people got up and they fought the devil's people and they won because God was with them. And they didn't stop at, at point A long enough for somebody to stop them and question them and ask them what they were doing. Amen. That's the main thing you have to, to quit doing is letting the devil talk you out of doing what God has ordained for you to do. Your pastors can't touch everybody, but you can. You can touch as many as you can touch. And you can touch them with the power of God. You don't walk past something that, you know, I, I see people uh, sometimes, and, you know, if you drive by an accident, you don't drive by and just rubberneck and see if somebody got killed. 
you pray in the Holy Ghost. If that were your child in that accident, you'd be thankful that a saint is driving by praying for them. You know, you look at the world differently. You get involved. You know, you may not be able to get out and attend. April told us a testimony about her. Uh, she laid hands on some people that had been on, what is it, a motorcycle accident that lady had been in? And April said that the lady at first was not moving. And she said after a while, after she laid hands on her, she laid them on there long enough to do with God before somebody asked her to move on. And she said that lady got up and said she wanted to call somebody and go home where she had been moving before. You understand what I'm saying? So you don't, you don't uh, forget the unction and forget what God has put you in the earth for. And if we will get ourselves in the refreshing of the Lord and stay in the refreshing of the Lord, it's so important. It might be hard for you to set aside time once you haven't done it for a while to pray in tongues continually for 30 minutes or an hour. But keep going back and, and refreshing yourself in the things. It's refreshing for you. And God will meet you there. And pretty soon it will be his presence that's on you continually. And it won't be such a hard effort for you. But God is doing this, folks. This is his next step in the earth is to refresh his people Whoever wants to dip in the uh, the river of life, they're going to be able to dip in there and receive everything that God.